Welcome to the Yale Podcast on Entrepreneurship, where we explore the dynamic world of innovation and business ventures fostered by Yale University, including students, faculty, alumni, and administration. I am Jessica Yu, and I'm here to explore the story behind Yale's burgeoning entrepreneurship scene for anyone who is curious and looking to get inspired. Today's episode features Ellen Su, the Chief Product Officer of Wellinx, previously known as Convexity Science. The name Wellinx originally came from the company she was co-founder and CEO of, which was later acquired by the company she now works in. Ellen was also previously a mentor in residence at the Thai Center for Innovative Thinking at Yale, and she is a Yale College Class of 2013 graduate. Hi, Ellen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just to start things off, could you please share a bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Ellen. I'm the Chief Product Officer at Wellings. We do virtual uh, virtual coordinated care for uh, COPD and chronic respiratory conditions. Uh, my background is actually in product design, so I was actually an art major. Um, but got really interested in product design and uh, probably about midway through college, so about sophomore year of college, um, ended up taking more and more sort of design-oriented classes. So I ended up with a combination of like sculpture, graphic design, and mechanical engineering um, as kind of my coursework. Um, I started working on prototypes for um, for kind of hardware and, and physical products. And then uh, a couple of friends and I, we ended up actually starting our own company together uh, that was focused in the medical device space. So we actually had created a wearable device um, that was actually tracking treatment adherence with back braces for kids with scoliosis. So I was working on the, um, on the hardware design portion and the product design of the actual strap itself. And then actually ended up moving into software user interface design um, and then doing more uh, kind of services design as well. So combining hardware, software, and uh, services together into a kind of complete experience. I uh, really love the whole process of human-centered design. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And then have since kind of been in startups um, as part of my career. So I've been doing you know everything from like pitching and investment um, on the on the investor side, and then or getting investment on the startup side and working with investors there to uh, leading teams now for developing a product here at Wellings. So I'm really curious, what exactly is the story behind Wellings? So I'm aware that you first started it like as a founder. So how did that happen? What was the story behind that? Yeah, so funny story. Um, I co-founded a company called Wellings, and I work for a company called Wellings. They're actually two different companies. So uh, the first company that I was talking about, so that was the one that we had co-founded, um, that was the Scoliosis Brace Company. So we were working, um, so it was me and two friends of mine uh, from college. We had started this company, actually we had started it as a student project. Um, we had gotten a grant from the Center for Engineering Innovation and Design at Yale uh, to work on a project over the summer. And we actually really took that as a human-centered design project. And we started off with the problem of, you know, kids with scoliosis are getting um, back surgeries. It's incredibly, um, it is a, a incredibly impactful surgery. It has a huge impact on quality of life. 
uh, and it is preventable. So you can actually avoid any type of surgery. Um, and the way to do that is by wearing the back brace. And um, we were creating a device that would actually help with that process. So we had started that as a student project. We eventually got a grant through um, what is now the Sci Center for Innovative Thinking at Yale to actually turn that original project into a business. Um, kind of took that forward, got investment, um, did a round of manufacturing, got a patent, did a did a clinical study, but eventually realized that one, manufacturing medical devices as recent college grads is really hard. Um, and then two, uh, the market actually was not um, was not that big. So we were looking at um, going to insurance companies and saying, you know, you can save money by investing in preventive care rather than having to pay for all these surgeries. But it was never quite enough people to actually get to the top of the list for them um, as priorities for them to uh, to really invest in as a business. So we found that the market was actually too small um, for to be able to sustain our business. So we were actually looking for a place to land, potentially strategic partnerships and all of that. Um, we got lucky. We were, you know, by being in Connecticut, we got to know a lot of other companies in Connecticut. And so we actually got to know this other company that was building portable nebulizers. Um, and they were looking for, they had actually just closed around the funny. So they actually had been doing manufacturing, selling products, but they were looking for uh, people who had expertise in Bluetooth development, smart and connected devices, building an app for patients and families. And so we, we actually had a lot of that experience already. And so they said basically like, you know, we'd love to hire you to bring you on to the team. And I basically said, all right, even better is if you actually acquire us or we can just kind of quote unquote call it an acquisition and I'll come join the team. But it also is just a better, uh, better story for, for me and the team as well. Um, and they came back and said, okay, great. Uh, that's, that's fine. We can make that work. But uh, can we make sure that we're also acquiring the name? Because the company is actually called Convexity Scientific, which is a long name. Um, and uh, nobody really, really loved the name. And so we ended up actually in the acquisition process, the company actually rebranded as Wellings. So that is the, um, that's the story of the current Wellings. Um, that all happened December of 2019. So I actually joined the company January 2020, which was a really interesting time to get into respiratory care um, and to actually be manufacturing stuff in China. So uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, we actually had to, ended up taking a step back and, and looking at, you know, what was the real impact to stu uh, to our patients and to kind of the industry as a whole. And what we really saw was that one, um, acceptance of digital health was you know, you know, basically accelerated uh, five years of acceleration within like the first two weeks of the pandemic. And the other thing that we saw was that um, a lot of people were losing access to services, namely pulmonary rehab, which is one of the most effective things that people can um, do for COPD and for other chronic respiratory disease. And then when we took a deeper look into it, we realized that people never actually had enough access in the first place. And so we kind of took those two two things, combined them, and started actually diving into creating virtual pulmonary rehab solutions um, and uh, more virtual care, bringing care for people with uh, respiratory disease into their homes so they didn't have to actually leave their homes to get treatment. So that's a lot of what we've been building. So since then, we've added on more clinical services. We've become more of a digital uh, digital health and care delivery company. Um, and so it's been really fun actually managing and navigating that shift from being a pure hardware company to being a hardware, software, and services company uh, in the last couple of years. 
Wow, that is crazy. You founded Wellinks, first Wellinks, back when you were a student at Yale. And this journey has taken you all the way up till now. So I think it's such a long journey. Did you come into Yale knowing that this was what you were going to get into? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I uh, So I actually went to high school in the Bay Area. My parents are both engineers. They actually had their own engineering firm. Um, they were civil engineers and my brother, is a software developer and he actually started his own business. Um, his, he started his own startup and actually um, ended up selling that, that company to Yahoo. He's now um, kind of working on his next uh, next couple things. Um, I was surrounded by it. So I was like, I, I'm gonna actually go to the East Coast and be an art major. Like I'm not, I'm surrounded by engineers. Um, and my parents actually really supported that. My dad had actually always wanted to be an artist and he didn't have the chance to because, you know, he was growing up during the Cultural Revolution in China, which meant that he didn't really have a choice in what career he ended up in. Um, and so he actually was, uh, my parents were both really supportive of me uh, doing art. And so I was like fully intended. Uh, I was actually choosing between Yale and art school. Um, and uh, Yale actually has one of the best art programs in, you know, in the world. And so, you know, thought, can't go wrong if you go here. Uh, and what was really interesting, I think, is that the Yale program really teaches you, it doesn't necessarily teach you like how to how to draw things, right? It doesn't really teach you like, okay, here's a portrait, you know, draw portraits or draw still lives. It's not like a really traditional art school in that sense. Um, but what they really do teach you is how to think um, and really taking the view of art as like something that is pushing society forward or asking interesting questions or making people think. Um, and one of the big things that they focus on is like, what is what is your passion and what is your what is the message that you're trying to get out or what are you trying to do kind of in society? And what I found was actually that problem solving aspect of it was, was something that was really important to me. Like, how do I solve problems for people? And that was something that, um, you know, led me to the realization that actually art is not the right career path for me. Also being an artist is really, really hard. Um, it's a lot of skills that, uh, actually now that I look back on it, you know, it's a lot of the kind of marketing skills. It's a lot of you know, knowing how to talk to like moving in circles where, with people who have money and, and a lot of actually the skills that I've learned being in startups actually would have, um, would have served, uh, really well for, uh, kind of that artist as a career piece of it. Um, but that's actually uh, kind of when I got interested in design. And uh, Yale does not have a sort of product design program, but they do have a lot of professors, resources, courses um, that where you can learn a lot of those skills and principles. So that's actually where I, um, the classes that I ended up taking. And I feel like every year there's a few people with that, with that interest. So I actually got connected with a girl who was two years ahead of me uh, understanding, um, understanding some of those, uh, some of the classes and some of the ways that, you know, you could basically like clutch together your own, uh, own curriculum for it. And so that was, um, that's what I started doing kind of after, after sophomore year, but yeah, did not know that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and was, uh, sort of fell into it. Yeah, I think it was really cool that you still did keep an open mind about things. Like, was it easy getting into entrepreneurship at the beginning? Because personally, um, I also started getting more into it at Yale, but I found like at the beginning, like I didn't know any of the words, like what what is VC? What exactly is entrepreneurship? So how did you find getting into it at the beginning? 
Yeah, um, I would say when I was in school, it was actually not something that I really identified with it. So I only started uh, really getting into it uh, towards towards the end um, and actually very soon post-graduating. So um, with the uh, Center for Engineering Innovation Design Seed, uh, we ended up, you know, getting more into it so getting involved with the resources there you know a lot of the tools and the and the um and the facilities there and the professors were really great to start to learn from and then that actually got me more connected to the entrepreneurship side of uh side of things as well so i actually worked there for a year after after graduating which was really great because it let me actually work on the company at the same time so i had access to the tools and resources we could build our prototypes um you know, and and uh, and just be connected in, you know, be plugged into the rest of the community. I would say it's getting easier. So, you know, I think when um, when we were starting, entrepreneurship was not nearly as popular as it is today, um, and it's something where you know I think a, a lot there were still uh, there were still students that were uh, you know starting companies. They were they were really interested, but it was much more of like a niche interest, uh, like a, a niche interest. So you know it was like a few people who you know maybe had interned at um, at one of the bigger tech companies or had interned at a startup um, during the summers were really interested in starting, but it was really the people who were like really determined to do so um, because it was hard, right? You know, there weren't a lot of resources available for it. People just kind of like looked at you funny. I would say that a lot more resources have been put into it. So part of it is the seed and um, what was the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute, which became Sci City. Both of those institutions got a lot more funding and a lot more attention, uh, which meant that they were able to offer a lot more resources to students and particularly to actually get students um, more comfortable with entrepreneurship, be able to teach them some of the terminology, being able to provide a more structured like support network around that. We were lucky because we were starting our business right when a lot of those resources were, were coming to bear. And so we were able to, one, both take advantage of it, but two, also be serve as an example. So we actually got we got pulled in as uh, mentors, as advisors. We started developing, you know, some workshops to basically teach the, some of the stuff that we had learned, and we had had to like, you know, we had best basically had to bash our heads against the wall to learn it ourselves. But then having the structure and the resources to be able to like teach it back to people, um, I do think there's some element of it though for students where, you know, for entrepreneurs where you do, some people I think do have to learn it for themselves and, and do have to, you know, take those failure. You, you have to learn from those failures kind of yourself. You can't avoid all of them. Um, but it's that it's providing a safe environment to do so that I think has really been, you know, one of the best parts of seeing those resources come up. Um, so that's been something that's been really great to see and to, um, to see and to have. Um, and so we've, We've really been at the kind of early, I think, in a in a in a new wave and a lot of energy and a lot of funding coming into entrepreneurship, particularly at Yale. Um, and so I would say it's gotten easier and easier to, you know, it's not necessarily easier to start a business. That's still a lot of work. It's still really hard, but it's easier to find a community. It's easier to find support um, in that aspect at Yale. Yeah, I really resonate with you. I was what during my journey trying to get more into entrepreneurship this spring semester. I reached out to. Um, uh, you know, the Thai city mentors, and it was super helpful. I actually know that you used to work as a mentor in residence at Thai city. So I'm really curious how, what, what exactly did you do there? How, how is that job like for you? 
Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, the timing was actually good for that. So we actually started doing that. Um, well, so we had gotten a lot of help. So we had been, you know, working working out of the offices there. Um, and this was back when they were on um, on Elm Street. And we ba- we basically like squatted in that office for a year um, and kind of ran our business out of that office. And so we eventually got enough funding where we could actually, um, where we could actually kind of move into our own office space. But, you know, they were, uh, that was actually the year that they had gotten that funding for Sci City and they needed a lot of help. You know, they had been hiring staff and, and you know, we knew the executive director and the managing director and, and the people there, we had gotten to know them really well. And so, you know, they were looking for more support because they had had all this funding, they got really busy. And so they were looking for ways that they could kind of support the students because we had very recently gone through that whole like startup forming and corporation fundraising um we pitched in to help out with developing some of the like intensive um, workshops and curriculum and, and just teaching students so um i ended up running you know an intro to ui ux um and co-founder levi had run like a hardware intro to hardware development um, kind of intensive course. Uh, we were both um, brought in to like guest lecture for like, I don't know, any basically just pinch hitting for any topic that they needed someone to, to talk about. So we, you know, we ended up giving presentations about like financial modeling and uh, raising funding and just a bunch of random stuff. Um, and a lot of that was just giving back to the community that had supported us. Um, there was a year where we were actually kind of more formally involved and that that timing actually was really good because that was also the year that we were like really looking, trying to figure out what was going to happen with our business. Um, and so, you know, we were, um, we were basically brought on kind of more formally as mentors and residents to provide like a certain set of hours um, to help advise students and develop curriculum. So it was actually really fun um, kind of being so tied into the to the ecosystem um, and to the students. And it's, it's something that's really nice to see because it's, you know, I think you have to have some level of delusion to actually be a startup founder um you know it's 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 good to be realistic but if you start to think about like all the ways that things can go wrong you'll talk yourself out of it and so you know startup founders you require like at least a little bit of of like overconfidence or delusion to actually see like i'm the one who can solve this problem um and it's you know it's it's kind of fun being around that energy and like even if you've uh, gone through it and you've realized like, oh, actually like, you know, here's, here's where we fell short or here's where it's like, it was harder than we expected. Even going through that, like if you can help people avoid some of the easier challenges, you're never going to be able to, to run into being able to avoid all of their challenges. But if you can help, um, you know, prevent people from having to make the same, uh, same like hard mistakes, um, it's really great to see. And it's really nice to be able to offer that support and like, you know, provide that perspective from just a few years down the line. Cause that's, we had got a lot of help from other startups that were a few years um, on from us. And to be able to give back and just like show someone what does that next year look like? Or what does that next two years look like? Um, because it's hard to imagine, right? It's, it's, you don't, you don't hear about those stories and you don't necessarily uh, see what that looks like firsthand um, until you talk to someone who's done it before.
Yeah, I think I think it's really wholesome, like the idea of giving back. And it's definitely something that I see a lot with Yale, like especially with like Accelerate Yale as well. So mm-hmm. um, speaking of that, how do you continue keeping in touch with the entrepreneurship community at Yale right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on the board leadership team and, and board of uh Accelerate Yale, which is focused on helping uh, alumni, um, alumni entrepreneurs. So one of the things that, uh, so Yale is trying to do a lot to kind of revamp and, and collect all of its entrepreneurship resources under one roof. So Yale Ventures um, is relatively new, but that's really been the, the the big driving force. So I would say like the first thing you had was Sci City coming up. Um, trying to centralize and concentrate the student resources. So resources supporting for undergrad and graduate students. And then uh, we had always had um, OCR, the tech transfer office that was focusing on faculty innovation. And so now Yale Ventures are trying to bring all of that together to say like, let's connect the faculty, the students, like all those resources. But what's being left out of that is the alumni. And I would say that that's something that Yale has historically kind of underinvested in. The experience of graduating from Yale is also like somewhat jarring. It's like, okay, you know, you have graduation, you have class day, you throw your hat, you get your diploma, and then the next day they're like, okay, you have to move out by noon, otherwise you're going to get fined. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I think they've been trying to do a better job of supporting. And so Accelerate Yale is actually a collection of alumni who have um, have either you know been in startups or who have uh, who have kind of resources, whether that's um, you know, one of one of the leadership team is, uh, for example, a lawyer that's actually worked with venture capital and with startups or one of them has a, you know, successfully exited a startup. So there's there's people with a lot of experience. Um, Gary also, he's the head of uh, um, I think Techstars New York. So, you know, there's a lot of folks that are really involved in the startup ecosystem and I think for a long time, because Yale underinvested in it, it's kind of been a lot of the alumni that have been successful in entrepreneurship have kind of been successful despite Yale or, or without really the support of Yale. Whereas I think a lot of other um, a lot of other schools, uh, you know, can credit their success kind of to back to their schools. And so Yale is now actually catching up on investing in those resources into alumni, into kind of more longitudinal support, because you also have, now that they've invested in the student support, you have more student uh, companies that are coming out that are becoming successful. Um, and so you're, you're having companies that are spinning out from uh, ideas that they started while supported at Yale. And so you want to continue to support because you want that you want, again, that ecosystem to get stronger, to be able to connect new students to previous businesses so you have those success stories to show. Um, so that's a lot of what, the, uh, what Accelerate Yale is meant to do. We were, you know, it's a small group right now. We're actually in the middle of um, putting out a call for nominations for our new board of, uh, board of governors. So, you know, we're actually trying to pull in more people uh, to help to help run it because there's a lot of pent up demand for it. We have, you know, we have hundreds of people attend our webinars. We just had our pitch off um, where we were able to give away a $10,000 prize and a $5,000 prize to two, uh, to two startups pitching. And we had over 80 applications for that startup competition. So we had over 80 startups apply, which is a ton. And on all of them had some degree of Yale affiliation and, and some degree of Yale alumni affiliation. And so it was really great to see 
that energy and so many people in the network that, you know, especially for people that have been graduated for several years now, they didn't necessarily have those resources at Yale. So to be able to support them again um, is really great. Yeah, I, I felt that warmth in the community when I attended the New York event. And especially given that all of the people working, they're so busy and they're doing it on a voluntary basis. And, you know, like I really wish that Yale put in more resources to help alumni as well. So in an ideal world, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, um, you know, I feel like for a lot of startups at a certain point, it's just like funding. Funding is a big one, um, but funding is also a hard one because it is, you know, investing in startups is a very risky, risky business. Um, but, you know, being able to have more things. So the um, the Yale Innovation Summit, for example, um, is, a, is a huge event. Um, and, and this year, I think, is the biggest. It's yeah, this this past year is the biggest it's ever been. Traditionally, it's been very much just run by OCR. It's been focused on like biotech life sciences. This is the first year where I've seen it really integrate like so many more students attending. They had an arts focus as well. And they had a lot more startups that were also more consumer focused and climate focus as well. Um, and so being able to support, you know, by showcasing some of that talent, by showcasing some of those, you know, and then you look to other schools, right? Like how is, uh, you know, how is, I would say like MIT and Stanford are probably the leading ones in terms of supporting um, supporting company spinouts. MIT's mentor network is one of the uh, leading ones. I know Victor at SciCity has really like spent a lot of time with the MIT sort of mentoring team uh, to understand how they run and match um, match their their mentees and mentors. Um, part of that is actually, I know uh, when we had started standing up that, when he had started standing up the mentor network, a lot of people came forward wanting to help. Um, and I think as you build up the ecosystem, you know, part of the issue is because it's been historically underinvested and hasn't really been seen as a career trajectory, you don't have a ton of Yale alumni uh, with that experience kind of um, to pull from. And so I think we're getting more and more of them. So, you know, even myself, like we, just, I just went to the, our 10 year reunion. And so now we're like the kind of old crusty alums now, uh, kind of hanging around. Um, you know, it's, it's like, we've been doing this for 10 years. And so we've got now 10 years and, and everybody coming, you know, below. And I would say a couple of years ahead, like all of us are really willing to kind of re invest in that ecosystem uh, because we've been helped by it because of the investment that they've made at while we were students. Um, so I think that's one way, uh, that's one way to kind of support is to actually have more successful alumni entrepreneurs be able to give back and to be able to, to talk again um, to students. Um, I think another, um, another uh, kind of avenue that they can do to support is, you know, the le just putting their name kind of behind those initiatives. I would say, you know, one example to look at is like the Harvard Business Angels or the Wharton, um, the Wharton kind of business school angels, where there are more organized, like more organized um, groups that are actually reinvesting in uh, in startups and kind of creating their own funds. That does take a lot of work. So that's something that, you know, is if it if that could be supported by Yale, that would be excellent, right? Because it's it's a lot of work to organize an angel investment fund or even just an angel investment syndicate. Um, Yale's contributed some of the prize money to our pitch off. I would say that that's a 
that's also a really great example of, you know, how to support the community because that money is going directly to Yale startups. Um, and that money is also being used like that prize money means that more startups are applying, more startups are being showcased. And, you know, we had actually 30 reviewers um, to review those uh, those pitches. And a lot of those reviewers actually had um, some degree of Yale affiliation and then also some degree of uh, startup experience, whether that was on the investor side, whether that was on the consultant side, um, but just to be able to evaluate some of those. And so, you know, being able to move from unpaid, like volunteer labor to kind of having that work and having that effort being compensated is a good way to really support that community long term. It's something that we're looking to to formalize, I would say, more with some of the Accelerate Yale work, but also to work with Yale Ventures and, um, you know, looking forward to, to how Yale Ventures kind of creates this more central hub for, um, for any thing that's entrepreneurship related. Yeah, those are really great points and really good food for thought that I haven't even like I didn't even know before. Thank you so much for bringing that like fresh perspective. And just last question to end things off. I know you're really active in the alumni community and I'm personally really curious because given that more ELEs are getting into entrepreneurship and there's already a lot of like demand in the community, how do you see the community changing and growing uh, in the next say like five to ten years yeah so you know i think the the extent to which i'm active in the community is more of like just keeping in touch with people that i've connected with and and then connect and then keeping in touch with people that have connected with me um but i would say there's not really like a more formal um there's not really a more formal forum for that so there's not like you know, an alum uh, Slack group, I would say. I know there's some effort to do that through like the cross-campus initiative. And I've actually gotten connected to a couple of students through there. Um, So, you know, the folks that I've reached out through there, I've been able to actually connect with. And um, some of them I actually meet with regularly, either on a quarterly or or, um, usually quarterly basis. Um, Honestly, a lot of it is uh, just, you know, people, people being good about kind of keeping in touch, reaching out. Um, and I would say one of the superpowers is, is reaching out like that, that Yale network, you know, a lot of people say like, you go to Yale, you learn some stuff, but really the value there is in the connection that you make. Um, and that actually extends beyond just the four years that you're there. That extends to, you know, the people like meeting people, having that connection, even just talking to like Yale alums that I've never met who maybe have like graduated um, years before I did, or even years after I did, uh, we still have that common tie to Yale and to New Haven. And so that that has been, you know, it's, it's something that still kind of connects all of us, um, even if we, you know, regardless of whether we met each other during our years actually attending. And so, you know, I've reached out to people. I've had other people reach out to me being like, you know, you don't know me, but, you know, I went to Yale. You know, I've heard about some of the things that you've done. That kind of degree of connection is already a good, like, foot in the door. Um, I would love to see more resources that are kind of connecting alums more, like, more as a basically less friction Um, because I know, you know, it does take a lot of work to actually like work up to reaching out to people and and doing all that. So 
you know, if we can find kind of a, a better low friction way to kind of keep people connected, that would be awesome. That would be a really great um, use of the, you know, if we're able to do that with Accelerate Yale, I think that's a really good, um, that would be a really great sort of part of our mission to kind of keep people connected um, in a way that's not just, you know, that's not really being kind of like gate kept in the same way to actually really create like a community conversation. Um, but that does require work. Um, and it's really easy to like start something and then have it just kind of peter out. So, uh, having, um, you know, having someone and having a, a community where people are really investing in, uh, in maintaining that community and making it a high quality community. That's something that, um, does need work, but I think could have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, like this is definitely not an easy thing to do, but if done right, I feel like it could help so many people. Thank you so much for your time, Ellen, and this is the end of the podcast.